Welcome. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick. I host a weekly radio show that gets turned into this podcast, the one you're listening to right now. If you're an early riser, you can listen live every Monday starting at 7 a.m. on WPRK 91.5 FM. It also streams on WPRK.org, or you can subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Regardless of where you listen, this show is about people from the Orlando area who are doing something neat. The neat person for this episode is singer, musician, songwriter, composer, improviser, he checks all of the boxes, Brian Hayes. We sat down and played some of his music and talked about that music, and you can hear that music and and the conversation as well. For more on Brian and all of the other guests, please visit to a certain degree.com and now on with the show Tori Amos on WPRK Winter Park Florida you're listening to a certain degree good morning my name is Nick I do this every week and every week I have a very special guest some of whom I know and some of whom I don't this is an I don't one that didn't make any sense I don't know this guest all that well, but I'm hoping to get to know him a little bit better by having him on the show, asking him some serious questions and some not so serious questions. Brian Hayes is here. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Thank Ah. you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. And waking up early and coming out and sharing some of your music, which we'll hear later, um, uh, including stuff uh, that you've put out over the last uh, few years. Yes. And we'll talk about some of your dates coming up, too, in terms of performances. Sure. But first, I, I, I literally don't know you at all. No. We've, we've, talk, never, we've never met. We've never met. We talked a little bit on the walkover. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you are new to me, and I am new to you. You looked friendly. So oh, I, good. I figured, yeah. It's, That's what I was going for. Be a good guy to walk with. Do I have a natural smile? Because I've been told that it's not all that natural. I think it's nice because wherever the smile might be lacking, mm-hmm. the beard takes over. That's good. And it's very inviting. Yeah, because it used to be a lot more toothy when I didn't have the beard. And that uh, put some people off for obvious reasons. So let's get to know you better. We're going to play a game, sort of 20 questions, word yes. association. But instead of saying yes or no or up or down or whatever is just off the top of your head, you're going to say oil or water. Oil or water. If you're for something. Because what's better than oil? Olive oil. Canola oil. Sesame seed oil. I could go on. Avocado oil. Yep, that's another one. Water is stuff that fish poop in. I don't like it. As far as I know. I resent that I'm 70, 75% water. Yeah, I, I resent that you're 75% water it's, as well. Or is it 90? I'm not smart. Yeah. <laughs> it could be any one of those things. So oil if you're for something, water if you're against it. Got it. Resolutions. You're still in January. Are we still making them? Oil or water? Begrudgingly oil. Okay. Is that something you do is make resolutions uh, at the beginning of the year? I think everyone does, whether they, whether they're consciously doing it or not. Yeah, and it's a good thing to do. It's always nice to self improve. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. 
I sometimes I follow the <laughs> I follow the dodgeball rules of living where if you don't set the bar too high, you can't let yourself down them. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. But, uh, so your, yeah. your New Year's resolutions are like continue breathing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, look, just wake up tomorrow okay. and then we'll talk. Yeah. So it's not like mine, which is uh, something like uh, go to the gym three times a day. Oh, that's a good one. Um, three a day. A day. Yeah. I was like, going to say, I like yeah. to set it so high that there's no way I can do it. I'm surprised it's that little. Yeah. You're, it's, I, I mean, from the way I look, well, you would I mean, think. They, they, they can't see what I'm seeing. It, you're aggressively in shape. Yes. Yeah, that is one way to put it. I pity uh, the soundboard every time you get near it with the muscular fingers. I'm just I'm very might nervous. Break it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. How do you feel? Let's move over to technology for a second. Uh, self-driving cars, oil or water? Eventually wow. oil. Because okay. I'm thinking, I think technological advancements are good and important. Mm-hmm. However... As long as I'm not the first person to try the self-driving car, then I'm fine. Like so I'll you be don't like, want to get in it right now. No, I'll be like, I'll be like the four thousand something. Once they've like ironed out pretty much most of the bugs, I'll be like, yeah, this is great. Are you an early adopter for technology in general, not just technology that will possibly kill you? I'm very technologically illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, to the it's a, even for things of my own generation. It's pretty embarrassing. I'm very bad <laughs> with computers. I don't play video games that much. Not because I don't. I like. I think I respect the medium. I think it's really imp- like impressive. I'm so lost. Like I'm just. I don't understand. I, there's so many things. Like my I have family that play video games, and they show it to me, and I'm just like, how do you know how to get to that? <laughs> So you need a you need a video game translator, I guess. But it's just like, I I was under the impression video games were like, oh yeah, we're gonna go in here and save a princess, and it's very likely a primate will throw barrels at you. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, it's like a post-apocalyptic, yeah, almost all of them like, are. Russian novel like I don't understand what's I just, I'm crying and I can't figure out what's happening and I have to do something and it's very are we still talking about video games yes. or just your oh day? yeah yeah <laughs> my it's well maybe both okay great <laughs> perfect all right but at some point you feel like you would get into a self-driving car oh yeah I mean again once the once it's so ironed out that even the dumbest people in our society are able to do it, that's right in my wheelhouse. That's where <laughs> it's, I'm like, hey, that's your you sweet go. spot. Got it. All right. How do you feel about professional wrestling? Oil or water? Oil. You're Be- a fan. No, but I respect. It's so funny. Yeah. Uh, I see, I feel bad about, I guess it's a good thing. Like I never want to immediately dismiss things that maybe I'm not necessarily into, but I know other people love mm-hmm. because for all I know tomorrow I could wake up and just be the hugest fan of wrestling. I doubt it, but I could. Wait, uh, is that how you wake up? You like just wake up and you're surprised by something like, new about oh, wrestling. Uh, I love this now. <laughs> 
No, you never know. Like people's tastes change and evolve. Um, I do. I do find like every once in a while, like if you see a clip, like you'll see like montages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like YouTube suggests things very strangely sometimes, and like I obviously like they're working really hard, and to the point where it's like it's a bizarre meeting of physical fitness with soap opera-esque dramaticism Mm -hmm. that you don't see anywhere else. And we're talking about your life or professional wrestling? Obviously professional wrestling. Again, so many, this is not fair. So many of these questions could line up with my everyday today. Yeah. (laughs) Now, okay, so oil, because you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but in general, you're a water on professional wrestling as of right now. Because again, tomorrow you might wake up and you're totally into it. Well, I'm just, I'm oil because... I honestly have no, I have no dog in that race whatsoever. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I'm being, I'm putting oil like, in there in case I find it. it later. Got it. Uh, let me ask you: Are you from uh, Florida originally? I am indeed. Were you born here? I was pretty much in the Winter Park, Orlando area. Oh, got yeah. it. So then, how do you feel about the beach, oil or water? Which sometimes uh, has both. Yeah. Yeah, uh, more often than not, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to say water, mm-hmm. but like lightly. I feel bad for saying it, but it's just because I went so often as a kid that I both literally and emotionally got burnt out. I was like, yeah, I, it's sand, water, it makes sense. Um, it's fun. I just went back recently for the first time in a while and I made, I think the same jokes about it, but it's nice. I like it. I get the appeal. It's very soothing. It's primordial. You can look out there and get lost, but there's so many things it's you get The sun can burn you. There are lots of aggressive, murderous fish relatively close to yeah. shore. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah. Very few of them have registered <laughs> with the aggressive murderous fish. Yeah. Registry system. Yeah. And it's not just sharks. It's like minnows with, you know, daggers. And it's really, I don't. Those are the ones you have to watch out <laughs> yeah. for. The minnow daggers. Oz style. They come in yeah. with like a shank, you. shank that yeah. they made. Yeah. Out of trash you put in there. The irony is not lost <laughs> on me. <laughs> Uh, let's go back to technology for a second. How do you feel about crowdshare scooters? Cr- Sorry, say it again. Yeah, the crowdshare. So that we have crowdshare bicycles. So the line bikes and the stuff. Oh you see yeah, 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 the ones. So yeah. now they're doing electric scooters. Okay, um, I've never I think heard it just crowdshare. Got, okay. Yeah, it just got approved for Orlando. I've seen them out in Tampa. Oh, th- so Croucher is the app or the yeah, company? Yeah, the idea gotcha. is that okay. you can, yes. basically everybody can use it. Right. So hence Crowdshare. You know, that's uh, oil, definitely. That's, I don't think there's, I don't think anything, if used intelligently, mm-hmm. it can only be a plus. It's, you know, it's more accessible public transportation. If it's bikes and scooters, like you're not, you know, it's a lot greener. It's probably a lot healthier. You're getting exercise while you're doing it. I think the biggest complaint people would have had, I remember hearing a lot on podcasts and stuff out of California when like the Lime, was it the Lime bikes, bikes yeah. and stuff? People like, there were a lot of people that were like complaining about it. But honestly, like all their complaints is like, well, yeah, just 
though that guy, that one guy was kind of a jerk and he like left it in the middle of the road. But if you're responsible with it, um, obviously don't drink and lime. Wait, you can you can li- don't drink your, in put yeah. lime in your drink. You though. can put lime in the drink. Okay, got it. But then afterwards, don't drink and then take the lime scooter. Makes somewhere. sense. That was another thing I heard about. Which made me laugh at first, and then apparently it's a bigger problem. But like people would be like, "Oh, I've had too much to drink." Like instead of an Uber, I'll just get this. But then they would cause accidents because they're driving around on these bikes on the road. So as long as people are using it responsibly, it can only be an oil. Mm-hmm. It's right. good. It's good for everybody. I'm good with that. And at some point, we'll uh, get on some electric scooters and maybe joust. Yeah. Yes. After a few drinks. Yes. Yes. Good. No, don't do that. Please, <laughs> everyone out there, do not do that. Uh, they are bringing this back in schools. I was curious if you learned it in school when you were a kid and what you feel about it now. Cursive. Oh, oil. Oh, yeah. I write primarily, exclusively in cursive. Do you really? Yes. And so as a – and I should have mentioned this earlier, Brian is a uh, composer – a songwriter, a performer, you, uh, you're a vocalist, mm-hmm. you play the piano, um, and you do other things in life. But uh, are you finding that when you're writing songs, whether that's the music for the songs or the actual lyrics, uh, your handwriting? Mostly. Oh, Re- wow. okay. recent, recently, I just started, just for sake of ease, I... Um, <laughs> on my like I had a song that I just finished recently I did all the lyrics on my phone and another one I'm working on and I it's funny now that I'm thinking about it there was it it, it might have taken a little longer to do it through that than just most of the time I would just sit down in a journal and write it by hand which would be I'm sure ripe with spelling errors so I think part of it was like, well, it's just my phone. I can correct my spelling. It'll be right here with me whenever I get an idea. There's lots of perks to it. But there is something about getting the chisel in your hand and getting up to the tablet and doing it. But, yeah, back to cursive. Uh, I had my fourth grade teacher, Miss Wender, we only – when we got in there, she was like, all right, uh, here's cursive. You can only write in cursive this whole year. Everything – so literally from fourth grade till now, I have written primarily in cursive because of her. And we have a lot of fourth grade listeners, so I'm sure Miss Wendy yes. is listening. To the point that if I write in print now, it looks like a third grader. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure my cursive's probably not that much better anyways. Um, have you found that you've written something and somebody can't read it or No, they can read it, but you can tell they're disappointed. <laughs> They're like that may not be uh, the writing it's, style. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, actually, it's it's funny. Both of those things, the the writing and the songwriting thing, comes together. I've noticed sometimes if I'm doing a song, like for example, like if it goes back, maybe it's like two characters in the song, or it's like a dialogue between two ideas. I've have done it so many times now that I'm only conscious of it now. A lot of times it will be in both, like in one idea, and I don't consciously do it. Like one person will be speaking in print and the other person will be speaking in cursive. That's very neat. It's very, yeah. It's probably a sign of some kind of psychosis, but it's cool anecdotally. It's one of those cool psychoses. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> I am not sure anybody listening is agreeing with me, but that's okay. I think they're afraid for you. <laughs> More than likely. Uh, could be some fear for you as well. Yeah, that's nice. Thanks for being here. Uh, let's move on. Oil or water? I thought this was interesting. This happened this week. 20th century. This used to be 20th century Fox. So they're taking oh. Fox. Disney is taking Fox oh. out of the name. So it's not going to be Fox Searchlight Pictures. It'll be just Searchlight Pictures. They've even gone so far as to change out the email addresses. It's no longer at Fox.com. It's at 20thCenturyStudios.com and at Searchlight.com. You picked just the right amount of nerdy a person <laughs> who knows exact. Not only do I know exactly what you're talking about, I have put more thought into this than I probably should have. In terms of the merger? of je- Yeah, like to the point where like I've talked about f- when the merger happened, I remember bringing it up to family going like, did you, Fox just got bought by Disney? And they're like, all right, why does that matter? I'm like, this is a huge deal. They're yeah. like, is it? <laughs> um, I think it's funny because I'm a little bit like when I was a kid, I actually wanted to work when I was a kid before I got into music. I wanted to be a Disney animator so bad. Mm. Like I've always been a big admirer of Disney animation. Um, so I've kind of on and off, like always kind of been interested in what Disney's been up to. Uh, so the whole like all oh, the Marvel purchases, the Star Wars stuff, I've always looked at it optimistically, even though like a lot of people are always like, oh, they're just it's. Too, they, that's too much. It's too much for one thing, though. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I think they're doing okay. When the Fox thing happened, though, I do distinctly remember hearing, like, I remember reading that and a little bit of the, like, Terminator drum, dun, 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 dun. It was like, this sky is Skynet. This is exactly what happened before. Like, yeah. all the companies are turning into one company. Merge and yeah, yeah. become one. I think... To answer your question, though, the dropping the fox and keeping 20th century pictures, I think that is the most conservative change that they could have made. Oh, yeah. In yeah. Terms of like they could have gone way just further. Just rebranded it completely yeah. and, yeah, destroyed it. And, and I don't know. Like, and I'm sure they don't need my help. <laughs> they, Disney knows what they're doing, obviously. Um, I mean, they're big listeners. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. you never know what they're going to take away from this. I liked, I thought it was smart having that model of like, yeah, we own this company, but let's keep the name because only extreme nerds would know. But like, I don't like only people who are like paying attention to that would first of all know that we own them now. So we could still if there's a movie that we think doesn't necessarily match Disney brand, we could release it through Fox and we could still like make a profit through that way. That's very smart. I think that's good business. Um I'm trying to I don't know if it's they're trying to distance themselves from something by dropping the Fox I think there's a name. certain amount of yeah. branding that has gone along with that. <laughs> Even though 20th Century Fox was yeah. first, I think Fox News being yes. something that you may or may not agree with. with and so That I completely it's understand. It's very polarizing, and so get away from it. And yeah, I think that was part of it. Maybe apart from, like, The Simpsons, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess uh, the channel, too, like... Of the the Fox is always like the Simpsons and like Family Guy and a lot of shows, 
like that have done well on Fox, they're the ones that will be the first to parody that like Fox is this bizarre vehicle for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like they'll put anything out there and most of it never goes past like a, an episode or a couple episodes. Right. So they just have this bizarre which is it's good cuz it's kind of like record labels back in like you know up until like the late 70s and 80s like the the idea was like you know we don't know what people like we're just going to put everything out there and then mm. people will tell us what they like which is actually a very believe it or not it's very successful uh it's a successful business model especially for the artists because they can right because yeah, yeah. they can release stuff and let uh, until they got to the point where exactly. the record labels were like, well, we could just tell people what they like. Exactly. Uh, Frank Zappa had a really interesting. There's a YouTube video that I think every music nerd has probably forwarded at least seven times. To everybody else, it's mm-hmm. Frank Zappa talking exactly that, going, you know, like the reason why there was all this great innovative music from like the 50s through pop music through like into the late 70s was because it was just. Music industry was all these old guys with cigars going like, I don't get it. Uh, let's just put it all out there and then they'll tell us what they like, which was great because then you had this wide selection. But the problem was come like the 80s, these guys were all too old and they're retiring. And they're going, well, you know, my nephew's a kid. He knows what kids like. And then the nephew comes in and goes, I know what kids like. They like this. So we're going to release these three things. Yeah. And that's all you've got. And so like – I think it's it works to the other mediums too. Like Fox kind of had that idea of just we'll just throw everything out there and they'll tell us what they like and then we'll focus on what they like. So hopefully that spirit doesn't change with this rebranding, but we'll see. We'll see. 20th century. Let's do one more for now and then we'll take a break. Sure. Cobbler, the dessert, not the person who fixes your shoes. Oil, <laughs> oh, yeah. oil or water? For the food, mm-hmm. oil. For the guy who fixes your shoes, water. Wow, you don't care for people fixing shoes? No. Have you had a bad shoe experience? Shoe repair experience? I wear, specifically? depending on the brand, mm-hmm. I am either a size 15 or 16. I have had nothing but bad shoe experiences for most of my life. Good point. Um only recently do I f- did I find out that you can actually get the shoes that you like, but you have to spend way more, mm-hmm. which makes sense because it's like I don't know how many redwoods have to go down to like carve out shoes for me. Yeah, but um, well, I mean, you do a lot of clogging, so yeah. that makes sense. You know, I I don't let the lack of material dictate what I can do with my life. Makes sense. That's good. All right, and then as far as the dessert goes, oh, who doesn't like? Okay with- but cobbler, it's pie, cobbler, it's all good. If you don't like cobbler, what's wrong with you? Do you have a preference between cobbler and pie? I'm going to say pie okay. only because I think I've had more experience with pie than cobbler. Well, it's more orderly as well. So that uh, says a little bit about you. What? When? <coughs> sorry. When does it cease to be pie and become cobbler? I, I think it's it's the difference between order and chaos, right? Order is pie. It comes, you know exactly what shape it's going to be, you know. It's, ra- it's in a tin. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. It's round it's, tin. Cobbler's square, right? Cobbler can be any number of different things, but it's usually scooped. Yeah. And it is, it's the same materials. You're right about that. But it's like a it's lasagna. Just, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's more like a casserole. It's, you know what, I, 
I'm sorry, Nick, but You're I, I a have lot about yourself. I have to I have to speak up about this. Okay, please I do. think you and a long history of radio broadcast journalism have been dividing the nation with their love of cobbler and pie, uh-huh. yep. and I think people just need to realize that it's all delicious dessert. Okay, I apologize for getting You're right. aggressive I'm trying to put people this. in boxes. You know, yeah, and, and put I put those boxes in bags and put those bags in the river. I want all of our listeners to get up from their chairs, go out to their windows, and scream. They love pie and cobbler. It's all delicious dessert. Should we, we make something uh, that is a combination of the two, like pobbler? Pobbler. Or kai? Kai. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Well, let's listen to a song. Why don't we play something from you, Brian? Sure. Uh, this is Come On Home. Yes. From the, uh, was it an EP? Yeah. Uh, yes. Technically, uh, that's what I was going for, but technically it is an album due to length. Okay. It is like 30 minutes, 42 seconds. So technically, if it is longer than 30 minutes, it ceases to be an EP and becomes an album. Oh, I didn't realize that was the timing. Yeah, I didn't off. either. I yeah. had to look it up because I was like, oh, it's an EP. And then I was like, oh, no, it's not. It's a it's a full <laughs> album. So the album is named This Is Me. Yes. Uh, these are songs you sing, obviously. Yes. And you wrote? Yes. Uh, all of my music I wrote, I sing, and I play the piano. And then I have arranged um, m- most of the music I r- release. I try to arrange also for, like, it'll be a small group, like, you know, guitar bass drums and then i like to also orchestrate it i'll put strings and maybe woodwinds and stuff on there too this track this is come on home correct Mm -hmm. this track does not have that stuff this is actually different compared to the rest of the album it is just me singing and playing and i'm also doing the backup vocals and was written specifically by request to have something that didn't have everybody else they uh for the my mother actually was the one who was like, everything sounds great. I would really love if you had something on there that was just you. I was like, but you got all this. You got all. The, what are you talking about? Like you got. It's great with the orchestra. It's like I'm trying to pretend to be the Beatles and Brian Wilson. She's like, yeah, but I like you. Moms. Yeah, mom. I was like, I don't have anything. And then like I hung up the phone and literally 12 minutes after talking to her, I had an idea for this song. And this was the last song to get into the album. And it actually turned I, – I actually like it now. It's fun to play and people seem to like it. And mom was right then. And mom was right. So if you're listening, we've got a lot of mom listeners. Thank you, moms. Thank you all. We literally wouldn't be here without you. That is true. Uh, so we'll hear that on WPRK in Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Singing songs to those so broken down 
souls alone Their minds still worry on Stay restless until dawn And losing hope You'll come to them and say So listen, boys, so drunk with broken bottle faces And all you girls who cry out loud for none to hear it Now I know it seems the whole world wants to swallow all of your joy up And to leave you all alone and tucked Uncertain of the cost To keep on walking Unless you lend a hand And say Baby, hold on tight Until the morning comes Try your best to shed that pain That just won't peel on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from the album This Is Me. That was Come On Home, and I actually have Brian Hayes here in the studio. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, You wrote that. You performed it. uh, You did all of the things. Um, Did you master it and do all that stuff, too, or was that somebody else? That had to be somebody else. You had to take a step Um, away from it. Yeah, actually, yeah, that track is interesting because I'm literally doing every musical part of it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm singing and playing, and then I'm doing the backups. But uh, if you, if our listeners were tuned in earlier, you know by now, 
I am very technologically illiterate. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to actually getting the uh, like recording and getting everything edited, I do not know. That. I leave that to people who are much more talented than I am. Very nice. From a songwriting standpoint, um, uh, you know, I think that when you have the talents and the chops to do both the music and compose the music as well as the lyrics and then sing it too, um, do you find that that writing process is uh, more difficult for you um, or it's a difficult process or it's something that is relatively streamlined because you're thinking about all the parts and pieces at the same time in your head. Like when a lyric comes to you, if you think about uh, Come On Home or uh, something within that song, were you also thinking about the music at the same time or do you do those things separately? Yes to a lot of what you just said. Oh, great. Um, I don't is, remember what I said. So. <laughs> um, it is, it's nice... It's, it's going to sound so cliche, but I promise, like, a lot of times, some songs are, like, you can kind of see some of the, like, you can see, hopefully not, but, like, you can, t- like, I could show you the cigarette burns and, like, the bent nails and stuff. Like, yeah, I had to work this one down. And then some of them you just kind of, like, pick up the pencil and it comes out, like, pretty intact. Uh f- Fortunately, a lot of times, like when I'm writing stuff, as I'm writing the lyrics and stuff, or something, usually, um, not always, but a lot of the time now, I've noticed I'll start by making a progression. Like I'll play out and write the chords on the piano, and as I'm playing through them, kind of listening through my fingers, and usually, like every once in a while. And like other songwriters know, when you start writing a chord progression, you'll notice sometimes that like certain notes stick out or certain melodies in your head will start to form around that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times, by the time I'm writing lyrics, I'm kind of simultaneously doing the melody. Um, for, For some songs, there are other songs where I wrote the melody first and then had to then write the chords to accompany it later. Um... It just it, it depends song to song. So when you say write the chords, <clears throat> yes, you mean the uh, the lyrics or the like the actual yeah. Okay, so the melody would be <clears throat> the uh, underlying tune, right? Like the yeah, the melody is the like the melody is the single tune that you're hearing the words with. Okay, so like the come on home, like the melody. Um, that's all the melody that's one thing mm-hmm. uh, what I'm doing with the piano under it the chords the accompaniment to that got it the chord progression yeah uh, and a lot of times to, again it works both ways sometimes I'll, a lot of times lately I'll sit down and write a chord progression and then write a melody over that mm. sometimes I'll have a melody idea and then <clears throat> Depending on what that melody is, what notes I'm hitting, I will harmonize it with chords. So I have to figure out the chords after the fact. It depends on the song. The process of doing that is something that you uh, learned early on. Like, when did you start writing music? Um, I think actually like pen to paper stuff. Maybe high school. 
granted, the question was when did you start writing music, not when did you start writing listenable music. Yeah, no uh, <laughs> everyone sucks uh, when they started something. Pretty much, and even the people who don't suck right when they start, it sucks to them. Yeah. Uh, but we don't have to worry about that, listeners. Don't worry. My stuff definitely sucked in the beginning. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, very uh, just kind of like writing little like line, poem lines here and there and then very clunky piano stuff. I was very into uh, 50s rockabilly in high school mm. and like getting into that blues era. So I was a very big Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis fan and Chuck Berry so a lot of my original stuff was basically that, just kind of one, four, five chord stuff. Uh, but I was also very, I was a big rat packer as well. I loved Sinatra and Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. and Bobby Darin. So there's a very complex <laughs> combination of things at work there. So in terms of writing music then, were you also writing lyrics? Like were you writing your own kind yeah. of rockabilly? Yes. And, uh, I, it was primarily just lyrics and voice and then very bad piano playing that came with it, which I, I would not get any better at piano until I got into college and practiced more. But then um, a big help, which I think a lot of people who's – kind of want to do songwriting and stuff something that they'll do which helped me a lot was in high school shocker I was in a garage band um, with a very talented guitar player and a lot of times he would come up with like a lot of songs and write the chords and stuff and then we would together come up with lyrics and melodies for them and then sometimes I would come up with uh, lyrics and melodies for her song. Sometimes he would. A lot of times we did it together. And that really actually, thinking about it now, that was probably a big stepping stone because somebody else was covering the complex chords and stuff. Mm. So that allowed my ear to tune in and just write melodies over that. So when I actually started getting the proper to tools later that I picked up in music school, I realized that I kind of had that skill that I had already started kind of working on that in high school. A lot of people, uh, myself, for example, when I'm writing, I'm typically not writing music. So I have music on in the background. It helps me think. It helps yeah. me process yeah. those sorts of things. When you're writing, do you have to be in silence? Do you have to have a piano in front of you so you could just, this stuff comes up, you kind of play it and hear how it sounds? Because how it sounds in your head is always going to sound a little bit different than how it sounds out loud. Usually better. Hopefully. <laughs> Um, just because of the, the tinniness that usually goes on in your head. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm, if I, if, if I'm working on a song, I'm, de I'm definitely at a piano. Like I'm, I'm, especially if it's newer, like I'm sitting at the piano cause I need to know like if the melody is going to work over there, I'm, if the, if it works, if it's in my register, if it's not too high or too low. Usually, like, if I'm working on a song for, like, a couple months or a couple weeks, and I, I've gotten to the point where I know how it's going to sound melodically, mm -hmm. if I know the progression well enough, then I can, like, literally sit at a bus stop and just just write lyrics, kind of already knowing how it's going to sound in the register and stuff. Um, but what you said is interesting, because you said when you write, you have music 
on in the background. Yeah, I need something. There's, you know, the sort of this lizard part of my brain that needs to be uh, that needs something, some sort of stimulation so that the other part, the higher functions. Yeah. Can function. I don't think that's the – all right. I, I'm i going to – because you're a writer, I am going to ask you for the pronunciation before I butcher it. Who is the author of War and Peace? Uh, is it Tol- Tol- Tolstoy? Tolstoy? Yeah. Yes. Sure. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't I, – I know I, – that was what I was going to guess. I didn't want to butcher the name or say the yeah. wrong name. Um, I believe it was him who said – if uh, to all our literary listeners, please forgive me if this is not the right person. But I remember hearing a quote that like he would sit in the square in the town square when he was writing literally like in the middle of it mm-hmm. because of the noise. Yeah. Because of all of the people who spoke and just bartered in the marketplace and stuff like that because it inspired him. But I really think there's a certain white noise that comes from like this kind of chatter and for whatever reason, it puts you in. I'm the same way. Um, so it could be a coffee shop, could be any number yeah. of places that you go to. But also, I'll get ideas for stuff from how do how do I say this? I'll get ideas for for songs from just like listening through music and stuff like that. Not necessarily. And most of the time, not at all. I'm not necessarily thinking of an idea that's any way related to the song or music I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm, like if I'm going to see like maybe a symphony concert or something like that, and I'm sitting in the audience and listening to the symphony, I'll ha- start having ideas for songs. It has nothing necessarily to do with what's on stage. It doesn't sound anything like what's on stage. Sure, but it's the fact of being in that space where you're listening to something, and it's kind of encompassing your attention. And you're kind of being hypnotized a little bit. You get into the zone. And for people who are like like you, like writers and artists and stuff like that, I think when they get into that zone and they're cleared out, that's when a lot of inspiration for stuff comes from. Inspiration strikes. Uh, you're in the middle of that situation, let's say. What do you do? Um, like how do you how do you remember that that came to you? How do you try to like remember that particular whatever it is melody, turn of phrase, whatever you thought of while you're uh, while you're somewhere else? If I'm lucky and within distance of a piano, I will go there and try to explore it. A lot of times, I am not so lucky. Um, fortunately, I live in this century, so I will go somewhere before I forget it quiet and I will take out my phone and into my little like phone recorder. Yeah. I will sing or hum whatever it is that I'm thinking of and then try to come back to it later. And I will whether like I will hum and sing like the little tune or note or whatever into it enough that will help me later on remember what I was talking about because they're definitely um, that is uh, that's the most frustrating thing. In fact, I, in fact, I have a song that I've written that I play sometimes that um, I, I'm trying to record on one of my next projects that's literally about this. And it's about It's song. about this show? This show. No, okay. um, no it's about songwriting. <laughs> uh, I was visiting my sister overseas when she lived over there when I was in college. And I had an idea for a song. And then I stayed up till like, like one or two in the morning or something writing the song that was awful. 
And I literally laid, I was just really tired. Like it was a long day. We were walking everywhere. And then I laid down and had this idea for songs. I was like, oh, I gotta, so I kind of sat there with a pen and paper and wrote something down and was kind of humming into my phone and then finished this song that I don't even remember what the original thing was. It was terrible. And then I laid back down and I was just like, this is so frustrating. If I, because if you don't write it down, then sometimes you won't remember it. So I just remember having this thought of like, I wish I could just screw in or plug in speakers to my brain and then just play out whatever's there so somebody else could write it down. And then from that sentence, I stayed up till four writing a completely different song that I still play to this day that I really enjoy because it's about that process. It's just like, it's sometimes agonizing because you're just like, oh, if I don't write this down now, I know I'm going to forget it Mm -hmm. in the morning. And I don't want to forget it because it could be good. It might not be, but you don't want to take that chance. Very nice. Brian, uh, let me just go ahead and say that uh, you have a website. I do have a website. other things. So if people want to learn more about you, the best way to do that is at brianhayslive.com. Yes. A lot of my social media is all – I try to kind of – Keep it all together. It's always Brian Hayes Live, mm-hmm. uh, one word. So and it's then, Facebook, Instagram, yeah, YouTube. BrianHayesLive.com. And then it's like Facebook.com slash Brian Hayes Live, YouTube.com slash Brian. I try to keep it all within that. Um, yeah, I have a website where you can listen to some of my music and see when I'm playing shows. I do a lot of I pretty much like everything I always post through Facebook because it's so easy. Like I, that's the thing I'm on the most usually to promote shows and stuff. And then from there, I put it on everything else. As far as your live shows go, is it a uh, when you're doing them, it's mainly cover songs, those sorts of things, and then some of your uh, original works? Depending on the show, yes. Um, Because, which probably a lot of people who might listen to this are in the same boat, Um, I'm I'm more of an independent, like, kind of definitely, like, I'm still on the smaller time aspect of being an an original artist. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the shows I play are primarily uh, covers of other people's music, like Mm -hmm. restaurants in the background, stuff like that. Um, I am fortunate, though... I get to do a lot of, because I'm a vocalist, I do a lot of opera work and stuff in the area. But when I am doing shows where I'm singing and playing, I try to like put in some of my stuff when I can. I will admit, uh, as of late, I have not done as best as I could to do that. because, And there are certain times where I know it's not necessarily appropriate. Like if I'm just hired to be in the background for like a reception to some party or something, I know I'm just going to play stuff that they might know and enjoy. Um, but like I have, I have a show coming up where I'm definitely going to be putting more of my own music in there and then try to get it out that way. So that way when people come, they'll hear stuff that they know and they like. And then I'll put it out my own stuff, so hopefully that they'll like that as well. Uh, something you mentioned when we were walking over, and I thought was interesting, because I would have thought the opposite, is that you have to uh, go back and practice your stuff. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't get to play it necessarily as much. Um, yeah. So when you're doing a live show like you're doing uh, this upcoming weekend, mm-hmm. and you're going to be playing some of your stuff, you got to go back and actually uh I remember it, which is interesting to me because you, one would think off just off the top of your head that, okay, I wrote this, 
this is personal, so of course I remember it. But it's just like anything else. Like if you haven't done it in a while um, or you haven't thought of it in a while, you're not going to necessarily just remember it off the top of your head. Yeah, one would think that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, and it, it's funny because I was at um, – I, I teach music lessons at a couple schools and I was practicing some of my stuff and a friend of mine came in and he was literally like – you're practicing your own stuff right now, aren't you? I was like, yeah. He's like, you don't remember how it goes, do you? I was like, I remember most of it. And like he was laughing because he knew exactly what I was talking about because yeah. he's like, yeah, you, you get into the point where because you want to pay the bills, you're playing all this stuff, you have less and less time to like work on your own stuff. And so by the time you're ready, like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this show. I'm going to do my own stuff. I'm going to get out there. You're just like... Oh, how does that go again? Like, it's, <laughs> why did I think that it needed to be this complicated? <laughs> um, but well, it's good. Ever, yeah. So, uh, I guess my follow-up question to that is: Do you ever kind of second guess the song you wrote it? Right? Like, do you ever go back? It's almost like having something that you've written. You know, in my case, it'd be like having a a blog post out mm -hmm. there where I just want to I go back and reread it, and maybe I'm impressed by some of it, but some of it also kind of bothers me. So I want to go back and rewrite it or change something. Does that ever happen to you? Perhaps. <sighs> or is it when a song is done, it's, you know, and I'm not talking about just like slight variations and things. That's what I was. Yeah. yeah because you could always do that. Right. Like if depending I, on what's going on. If I recorded a song and put it out there at a certain point, whether it was true or not, I felt that that was good enough to be out there as a finished thing. So it's done. So it's done. However, it has been the, – the interesting thing is when I recorded my first album, I was not doing shows as a vocalist and a piano player. Like oh, okay. I – the album – I put out the album – really before I started doing a lot of gigs as a singer and a piano player simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Like I have always gigged as a vocalist my whole music career. I still consider myself primarily a vocalist. Um, but then I put out the album because I had been writing this stuff and I practiced it all the time in school when I was writing these songs so like I could play them in the studio. And in, in the studio nowadays, most people, um, not everybody, but most people, as technology has progressed, you record it separately. You'll lay down the piano tracks and then do the vocals. So a big thing for me after I did the album, put it out there, I basically had to relearn how to perform and how to actually sing and play simultaneously mm. in a way that was good. So the interesting thing is, since it's been a couple years since the album's been put out, I've actually practiced and become a much better accompanist to myself as a piano player. So I don't necessarily change things about the songs. However, as I'm playing them now, I might be like, oh, yeah, it's, I, I just put my hands in this way. That's a lot easier. That's an easier way to do that. So they're still the same songs. They're still the same chords. But the way I'm approaching them might be a little different. I see. And That's it might really be. And it's, yeah. and hopefully it's better now. Sure. It'll be a little more cohesive. Huh. Interesting. Well, uh, let's leave it at that for now. Again, I would say to visit, I encourage you to visit BrianHayesLive.com. That's Brian with a Y. Yes. Hayes with a Y. 
live with, with an, an eye. eye. Yeah. yeah. So you got you, you should have just gone consistently throughout. That would be the way I would do it to uh, find a lack of people going idiot. there. Got to go change that now. Uh, Brian, we're already at the end of the first hour. Oh, wow. Yeah, it goes by quick. I'm a joy to talk to. Yeah. You're delightful yeah, to talk to. I get that a lot. So we've got some some commercials to play. We'll hear another song from Brian. And then in the second hour, Bad Business Ideas. Excellent. You've got a pop quiz coming up. Okay. And uh, we'll learn a little bit more about you. All things to look forward to. Great. You're listening to WPRK, <laughs> Winter Park, Florida. Uh, this is to a certain degree. You're listening to a certain degree. Did I say that?
Brian Hayes on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, from the self-titled album. I'm sorry, not self-titled album. This is me. This is a self-titled track. Now, how does that work? It's kind of self-titled. Um, the track is the, the, the same as the album the title. title track. Title track. Hey, That's yeah. the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, the album is This Is Me. And so I wanted to write a title track. Um, I'm, I don't know if this is going to be a rule forever. But I, I don't. I love the idea that like. I like. I don't. I'm such a. Ironically, I'm the wrong person to talk about this. I don't know if they do this anymore. But like, artists back in the day, I love the idea that like every album or single or EP mm-hmm. was its own microcosm. It was its own sure, it was thing. Its own story and so, everything else. Like the title track. To me, it seems like it could be the overture of the album. Not necessarily that it's going to be the same music you're going to hear for the rest of the album, but it's the idea behind it could give you a window into what you're about to listen to. It kind of gives you, yeah, it gives you that feel of Mm -hmm. this is, it's funny, it's called This Is Me, but this is the album as well. Yeah, And, and it's that idea, a lot of times I think about um, like from a commercially standpoint, all right, new albums coming out. What is going to play on the commercial for this? Like if people are online or they're on TV and they see like new album from so-and-so, what is the song that's going to be the one mm-hmm. playing in the background? That's the title track. Interesting. If you want to hear more about, uh, if you want to learn more about Brian Hayes, brianhayeslive.com. If you want to hear Brian Hayes live, uh, Brian Hayes will be at, I don't know why I keep calling you Brian Hayes. That's my name. Well, that's a good point. Brian will be live at the Brass Tap over in Waterford Lakes on January 25th. And then in March and in May, you have a couple of dates at Casa Feliz. Yes. Um, Anything else coming up you want to yeah, tell people about? The, thank you. Yeah, this Saturday, January 25th, I'll be playing a couple sets at Brass Tap the, mm-hmm. uh, in Waterford. Um, Casa Feliz... Is in March 1st March and May 1st 3rd. And May 3rd. All three of those will be usually because when I'm playing like at a restaurant or for like uh, a museum or something like that, I'll do a lot of covers, but then I'll plug in some of my stuff as mm-hmm. well. I am also going to be playing at the end of March, I believe March 28th at The Nook on oh, Robinson. Cool. Yeah. That show is specifically, I'm going to do all my originals and maybe a couple covers. Oh, fantastic. I'm trying I'm trying to be better at ju- being able to do more shows of just original music. Does it is it I guess anxiety inducing to do more of the stuff like that rather than doing the covers because I would imagine putting myself into those types of shoes I don't do something like that. But the idea that you could just play something that you think people want to hear which might be a cover song versus trying to introduce them to your own music. It it gives me kind of the palm sweats just thinking about it. Do you feel the same way? Does it is it like harder to do your own music or to kind of put that out there? Yes, but for different reasons. Okay. Um it has gotten to the point now there was a time where like I would be nervous to play any of my music because all I was thinking was I just I just hope it's good. I hope people like it. I hope it's good. I like when I'm writing something, the first thing for me is like, is this good? Like if it's something that I think the first, a lot of, hopefully I think what a lot of musicians 
and artists and people when they're doing stuff, the first critic you have to satisfy is yourself. Is this something that you would want to listen to? And that should pretty much enforce a lot of your style, mm-hmm. whether or not it changes. Like People, I think, start to develop their own sound, hopefully, because they, they're doing what they want to listen to. And after a while, it, it becomes part of their attribute of how they play. So when I started writing and doing my own stuff, I was just writing stuff that I'd like to hear. So when I would perform it, I was so nervous. I was sorry, I just hope people like this. I don't know if people are going to like this. I hope they do. I still feel that way, mm. but it's been a couple years, and enough, fortunately, enough people have told me that they enjoy what I write to the point now where, like, even though I still worry about that, I worry about it less. The thing now, like we talked about before, is am I going to mess up this song that I wrote? <laughs> am I going to make a mistake? Is it practiced enough? Um, I mean, I can make a mistake on other songs too. And, and like, uh, the ironic thing is like, if I make a mistake on my own song, I'm probably the only one who's going to notice because yeah. it's mine. Nobody else has really heard it before unless you've heard me play it or bought the album or something like that. Um, but it's the, the weird thing is like, that's the thing that like now when I approach my own music is, am I going to mess it up? <laughs> So I do have a little bit of anxieties for that, but it's for now different reasons than when I started. Well, let's uh, leave you off the hook for a second and go into my own anxieties. Oh, into, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, This Is Me is the perfect song to lead into this because this is a segment that I've done for a while now on the show for almost four years. And it really it, it sort of encompasses me as a person, as an entrepreneur, and sort of my logic. So let's go ahead and play the song for this next segment. Bad business ideas. It's time to pick just one. It's gonna be totally legal. We hope it won't hurt anyone. So come on, have some fun. Yes, bad business ideas. You can't spell lawsuit without. A list. That's a delightful song. Sorry, I'm, I'm such a dork. I'm, <laughs> I'm focusing. I'm a nerd, music nerd. So I'm focusing on. That was such a charming song. Isn't it nice? It's ve- the and first it really thing encompasses everything that you're going to hear in this. Is next that segment. you singing? No. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> it's very Eric Idly. Yeah. Like it's one. Thank it feels you. like it's a Python song. That's great. I had great. Else sing it. I liked it. Yeah, I like the. Legally, like the <laughs> very tenacious D esque pronunciations sure. of some of the words. <laughs> well, Sorry, continue. I, no, I, no. I, that. You can't spell lawsuit without A list, and that's what these are A list <laughs> business schemes, plans, not schemes. Uh, you have not listened to the show before. I have. You have. Okay, I have. so you know what this section is. Yes. So I'm going to present to you two business ideas as a musician, composer, songwriter, singer. You're going to have some insight because that, that that everything about that screams business to me Yeah, on how to make these proposals better. That's why I drove up here on my Rolls Royce yep. today. And then you pick <laughs> the best of the two. Before we get started, just so you know, many, if not all, bad business ideas really walk a fine line between ethical and slightly less than ethical. So I just want to that get an sense. idea of where you are. And so I can present them <laughs> to you that way. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions and just see where you are, like answer truthfully. You find a wallet 
on the ground. Do you return it to the owner? Yes. Is all the cash in it? Yes. But believe me, like there will be, I will see the wallet Mm -hmm. and be like, I got to give this back. I will check to see if there's money in it. Not that I'm going to take it. But I'm going to be like, oh, if I was a bad person, yeah. how much would I okay. be profiting? That's good. That's good. That's that's perfect for this uh, for badness. <laughs> I just uh, another another question. You have an event coming up. Do you hack self-driving cars to get people there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you don't hire somebody else to do that. You do it yourself. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. So then you know what? You have a concert coming up. No, I'm going to hire somebody else to do that because not only am I a villain, I'm a villain that believes in creating jobs. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I'm going to hire somebody else for it. That's that's capitalism in a nutshell right there. There's a song you like, you really, really like. It speaks to you on some level. Do you build a time machine to go back to set the songwriter on a different path and then go forward in time back to where you were originally so you can air quote, write the song. No. No. No, I would never be able to live with myself. Okay. But I will go back in time and like <laughs> clumsily put on like a disguise while they're writing and be like, oh, what are you doing there? So <laughs> just for my own nerdiness, and be like, he was drinking a coffee when he wrote that line. Very nice. <laughs> All right. Thank you. That, that really <laughs> illustrates and enlightens me in terms of how to present these. Brian, may I call you Brian? Yeah, that would be fantastic. Great. History is something we can learn from. True or false? True. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. When researching today's show, I came across two events that happened on or around this day that inspired me, They that taught me something. The first was in Des Moines, Iowa on January 20th, 1982, so 38 years ago. Are you familiar with any of those things? I believe I've heard of 1982. Uh-huh. And how about Des Moines, Iowa? I'm going to be honest. I'm sure it's a place, but okay. it might as well be in we the nexus no of the of universe. We don't we know. No proof. But the, what we do have is an account of Ozzy Osbourne on stage <gasps> is in it the Des Moines. Bat? It is the bad thing. The bad thing? He oh bit my the head. Gosh. Uh, if you're not familiar with this, he bit the head off of a real bat that may or may not have been alive. There's a lot of debate about that. It's sort of a legendary I have thing heard of this. in terms of performance and stuff. And, you know, there was furor and panic afterwards. Like, uh, but what it really drove was record sales. Yeah. And so it got me thinking, could Ozzy have predicted the outcome of his actions? Yes and no. I actually, I, I know this story, whether it's... In t- whether what I have heard is entirely yeah. true or not, I sure. believe it is. Yep. Okay. That show, it was planned by Ozzy, but not in the way you think. Apparently, what I have heard, and I think I read somewhere, if this is wrong, forgive me, but just assume that everything you hear on the internet I forgive is, you. Yeah. So at, at a certain point in the show, during this tour... There would be an extra, like one of the roadies would get into the car. I don't think it was from backstage. I think it had to have been like a roadie would like go somewhere into the crowd or in a part, and he would throw this rubber like prosthetic bat 
to like from the crowd so it would look like it was kind of flying up or mm-hmm. something and Ozzy would catch it and bite the head off it to be like this big stage thing like oh you just bit that off but it was always like it was like rubber and it was full of like jelly or something so that night before the roadie could get back there and do it apparently there was a drunk audience member who threw an actual bat up there before like I think in a, er, like earlier than it was supposed to happen, like there was an audience member who like somehow like from, somehow got this is what I heard like he got a bat I don't know if he like maybe he had like he's works for the bat company or something but like he had one and it was like asleep he had like drugged it or something uh-huh. and then he was like oh, I'm gonna throw because he throws a bat I'm gonna throw he was a big uh, Aussie fan and bat fan and yeah, apparently. Um, he, it's so hard to not just say bat. It was Batman. Batman it was there. Batman. <laughs> so like this guy, I think he had too many, and he threw the bat up to Ozzy, and Ozzy just assumed it was the prosthetic one, and bit the head off it, and then it became legend. So again, going back to the original question, mm-hmm. Ozzy couldn't have known that all of that was going to happen. That we would still be talking about it thirty or thirty-eight years later, forty years later. No, I mean, the thing is, like, I think he was expecting it because it's part of the show. Mm-hmm. But I but I don't think he was expecting the actual bat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so we can't, as a performer yourself, yeah. you don't know what's going to really hit with the audience um, in terms of uh, doing some sort of crazy thing on stage. Until now. With our new company, Stage Foresight, we'll use predictive AI to determine what bands and performers could do in front of audiences to help with their popularity. And that could be future ticket sales, increased engagement on social media, downloads and stream plays or merchandising opportunities. At first, I thought we could get an actual audience and then just try biting a bunch of animals in front of them and seeing what worked and what hit and what didn't. That's super complicated. So what we're going to do instead is an algorithm that runs every possible scenario from biting the heads off of animals, mm-hmm. biting other parts of animals, doing other things entirely. Like so, eating a steak? Yeah. So <laughs> let me give you an example. You're a fan of Ben Folds, right? Oh, yeah. So Ben, may I call him Ben? Yeah, I, oh. I would love it if you called him Ben. Great. Ben would put his tur dates Tur, did I say that right? His tour dates. His tour dates. Our into, Georgia audience is going to really respond yeah, to that. <laughs> into the stage foresight algorithm with all the details for each performance. Uh-huh. The AI would crunch the numbers and come up with May 2nd, 2020. That's when he's playing in Fort Myers at the Barbara B. Mann Performing Arts Hall with the Southwest Florida Symphony, which uh-huh. sounds really cool. Uh, yeah. The algorithm would give him a few options to maximize the event. He might perform... In a formal speedo, for example, mm-hmm. that would really get, you know, potentially a lot of people talking and may even land him a lucrative sponsorship contract with speedo. It could. He might tear up a picture of Harry Connick Jr. on stage starting a <laughs> feud that gets them both on TMZ. What a weird person to start a feud with. Right? And but the, t- the time has never been more perfect that? for Harry Connick Jr. popularity. The algorithm may give me the idea to talk about Ben Fold's upcoming date in Fort Myers at the Barbara B. Mann Performing Arts Hall with the Southwest Florida Symphony. Tickets are on sale now. That's weird. 
That did, was, yeah. Did the AI already become self-aware in the future and is now sending me bad business ideas to promote Ben Folds? I don't know. But uh, listeners, which is, it was so strange. His eyes rolled into the back of his head and it was as if something was possessing him to make that announcement. Weird. But that's stage foresight. Oh, okay. So that's idea number one. <laughs> All right. How do you feel about that one so far? Would you like to be told by a computer to do something kind of kooky on stage if it'll help you become more popular? That not only is that a profitable idea, I believe that idea already exists to a certain degree. What? I believe they already do AI projections for certain things. Oh, certainly. To determine, for a number yeah. of different things. But, but specifically nobody is for, doing it for performing on stage. So if we ran the numbers right. on you, Brian Hayes, and it said this weekend at the Waterford Lakes uh, Brass yes, Tap. Brass Tap. You need to get up on top of the piano and stage dive. Whether that ends well for you or not, this is going to help you somehow with your career. If How it, would you feel about that? If the projection showed that it would really help, I would consider it. The problem is I don't have a piano for that venue. It's a keyboard, so I'm already in a bad position. I have a lot less footing Th- going this on. This would be literally and figuratively less footing. Yes. You would have to put all this data in. So, of course, it wouldn't oh, suggest okay. necessarily so would stage diving. Yeah. And it would also know that I am I mean, you would have to come up small. with this. If you chose <laughs> this business, you would have to come up with the algorithm. Okay. Unless, again, it's become self-aware in the future and it just sends itself back in time. I like, you know what, I like the idea, whether or not I would always take its advice, I think it's a good idea. The problem is, I have to go back to, you know, what Dr. Ian Malcolm told everybody in Jurassic Park. It's like, Mm -hmm. once you start observing something, it will change the outcome. So how can we be sure that by putting in this information and observing what could happen to my career with projections... Has that not already affected the career in the first place Mm. of what would have happened? Interesting philosophical and metaphysical take on this. That's me. I have no answers to that, so I'll just go on to the second idea. Got him. (laughs) (laughs) On or around this date in 1949, the FBI was concerned about the safety of a national treasure, Shirley Temple, the actress, the singer. We were all concerned about her back then. I was alive at the time, so yeah. (laughs) So much so, they were concerned this much that Shirley, may I call her Shirley? I would prefer that you did. Okay. Was given a tear gas fountain pen by J. Edgar Hoover. (laughs) Of course she was. Now, pen technology, so this inspired me to start thinking about pens. Right? Did he just start watching Get Smart for ideas? I, oh, no, this was before, this is 40. Oh, so he was an innovator. He was definitely an innovator. <laughs> this but it is got Hoover, me thinking, right? Yeah. yeah. I think he, oh, yeah, he, he did like, he had a thing, he liked Shirley Temple, didn't he? He really liked Shirley Temple. I think he liked so to dress up as Shirley Temple, too. Oh, maybe as we all do sometimes. <laughs> But he was investigating, like, the safety. The FBI got involved right. because she was getting a lot of threats, a lot of credible threats and stuff. Yeah. And so he gifted her that. So I was thinking about That's pens, awesome. right? So we've had James Bond-level pens. Yeah. Um, right now we have pens that are also highlighters. They could also be laser pointers. Oh, yeah. So really, from a technology standpoint, we're not going to get better with the pens. What I was thinking about, though, the, the first thing— The first thing that I read when I read that was it was a— uh, a tear gas fountain pen, what if the ink was made out of tear gas, right? What if we could get feelings from the book that we're reading? 
through the oh, ink. Oh, like, you, uh, like you'd be reading a sad section, and all of a sudden you started, oh, that's amazing. Exactly. So because of the feel of the ink, so we'll actually produce <sighs> ink. Our new company is called Inkwell. That's so... We'll produce ink based on a number of different things to uh, emote a feeling from the readers. <laughs> so you could have tear gas, so for the sad section. You could do jellyfish poison if you if like a particular painful section. Like maybe it's uh, 30 or 30 shades of gray. That's so manipulative. 50 shades of gray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I keep thinking of, too, is how do we get rid of things in the environment that is are difficult to get rid of, like heavy metals, uh, toxic materials, that sort of thing. And it got me thinking about people collect books, they put them up on the shelves, and they never look at them again. Mm-hmm. What if the ink is created with some of these toxic or hazardous materials? It doesn't matter because it's in this book that's never going to get opened anyway. That's true. So we could put it, so we would create different inks for books that would either get rid of things in the environment that need to be get gotten rid of or create an emotion in the reader because of the physical touching of the ink. That's so good. Why are we not doing this right now? Well, um, that's up to you. You have a you have a lovely choice before you, two delicious meals, stage foresight, which tells you what to do at each of your concerts to maximize your popularity, or inkwell which creates inks out of different materials to help. I think that's kind of the tagline for every bad business. You know what? Oh, I got to, I got to choose between them. You have to choose between them. Oh, Oh, you have to also run the business. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, first of all, none of them are going to go very far if I'm going to run it. Um, here's what I do. I would, (laughs) I would, I do the, the inkwell company okay and use the money from that to invest in my own music career and then get the projections that way and then, oh and then start yeah, yeah. Up so like you basically like get the day job because the inkwell thing is amazing and it's i think the, the the immersive experience idea is something that's already explored so much that like people would be into it mm-hmm. um so i feel like that's gonna be super pro- ah let's say they'd be more profitable but the AI projection thing sounds good. No, you know what? I'm not going to back down. Inkwell. Inkwell, 100%. And then, then if I had enough money from that, I wouldn't necessarily need to care about projections because I wouldn't necessarily need to rely on. Yeah, you'd on, be okay with. Yeah, because yeah. I wouldn't have to worry about the financial. Like, then I could just be the purest artist because I'd just be doing it for me while using the blood money of manipulating people through books. Wonderful. Yeah. I like everything about this. And just remember that most of the profits will be mine, technically. So you still get some. Well, you're fired. Okay, great. <laughs> Let's play a song. This seemed appropriate uh, to end this segment. Ray Charles <laughs> oh, with yeah. Drown in My Own Tears. Ray Charles, fun fact, uh, it is because of Ray Charles that I became a musician. Really? Yes. Well, let's talk about that when we get back. Yeah. All right. Brian Hayes, uh, you can find him at brianhayeslive.com. You're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. January is a time for new beginnings, and that also applies to local journalism. Beginning in the latest issue, the College Park Community Paper and the Downtown Community Paper have merged into the Community Paper. If you live in College Park, Soto, 
the Milk District, Mills 50 in downtown, check your mailbox. If it's not in there, it's available at any number of local merchants and online. I can't stress it enough. There are a lot of great writers, a lot of good info about what's going on in and around the heart of Central Florida. Check it out at yourcommunitypaper.com. Or if you'd like the feel of newsprint in your hot little hands, pick it up. Back to the show. Ray Charles on WPRK. So good. Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree from the album, a number of different albums, but the best of Ray Charles, The Atlantic Years, Drown in My Own Tears. Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm here with Brian Hayes, who is uh, was singing along and is still, I think, a little bit taken with that song. <sighs> I'm just, sorry. I'm taking a minute to be so angry that I'm not Ray Charles. <laughs> uh Okay, fair enough. God, he's so good. He is incredible. Yeah. Um, and so to do all that, to be that talented and, you know, not have uh, the ability to see. Um, I always, uh, besides the music, I'm always taken with the story about him is that one of his hobbies was repairing televisions. Did is you know that, that true? About him? Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing 100%. a bit or is that true? No, no, no. That's 100% true. Because either way, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, 100% true. Yeah. Just an amazing, an amazing guy. Uh, Brian Hayes is my guest today. If you missed any of the show, you can hear it uh, as a podcast. It'll be out next week. Go to toacertaindegree.com or just find To A Certain Degree on any of the podcast networks. And please consider subscribing because you could listen to this yeah. entire show, a bunch of people from the Orlando area who are doing incredible things like Brian Hayes. Oh. And Brian, you mentioned before the break that Ray Charles is one of the reasons that you play music, that you sing. It is the reason that oh. I decided not to be a cartoonist and to become a musician. How did that happen? How did that come about? Uh, after he passed away, it's so weird. Uh, there are a lot of musicians in my family, but mm -hmm. I was the last one to basically get into music and become a musician. And now I'm like one of the only ones that does it primarily for a living. <laughs> um, but it sounds so weird. I didn't really listen. I didn't listen to a lot of music as a kid, which sounds so strange, um, especially for somebody who had like musicians. I mean, we all around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like everybody. It's so weird to say because everybody hears music at some point. Like the, you're in places where there's music playing. And like I, I went to go see my step. My stepfather is a, mu a gigging musician. So I went to go see him play, obviously, and stuff. But I wasn't necessarily interested in it. It was just like a thing that I knew was supposed to be good. And I didn't hate or anything. I was just like, oh, it, was, it sounds cool. Um and I, I was uh, all as a kid, all I cared about was I was so into animation and cartoons and mm. drawing and I wanted to be a Disney animator. So that consumed so much of me that everything else was like, oh, yeah, that's neat. I was very into animation. And then I also got into comic book artwork uh, and that really consumed me. And then as I got into like middle school and high school, I feel like this must it must happen to everybody once pubescence occurs you i think music kind of reestablishes itself to people i don't know if it's just like you know the burst of new chemicals in your body or whatever but you just start you start downloading information from around you differently and then i think everybody it seems like most people like music starts to become really important 
for most people I, through you, in puberty. You, you hear that you hear a different kind of meaning. Yeah. Um then connects with them maybe at yeah, maybe at most other points in your life. Because you yeah. think about what people were listening to then is often their favorite music. Yeah. Until they die. Yeah. And and to be honest, like most kids, I feel like most of the time like parent like and it's not a complaint. I think it's it's smart. Like most people want to make sure that they introduce certain things to their children like uh, at appropriate times and a lot of pop music especially can be very melancholy and stuff so mm-hmm. like i think it's important they, they, people might be a little more conservative about what children listen to so like most kids songs are just kind of very safe but um so i was very into drawing and comic artwork ray charles had passed away and I remember seeing a lot of stuff on it on the news, and I was like, "Oh, that's." Uh, I didn't know who he was, and my stepdad explained like he was very important. A little while after that, I believe the film about him was gonna come out in the next year or mm-hmm. so. I think they were saying that it was gonna happen, so there was like. They were doing like an expose on his career and his life and his catalog before that, like a a while before that movie came out. And then I I was, I guess I was flipping channels and I started watching this. I remember it was the guy my stepdad, I think, was talking about. And they started playing Georgia on my mind. And literally the second that that started playing and like the strings and the beginning of that song, the beginning of that song starts, it's the strings come in. And then everything else comes in the the rhythm section and then the vocals later. I just remember being so – I was immobilized and just completely knocked over. And it was so – I think I was like in tears. I don't know why. It was so powerful and profound. And at that time, I had started getting interested in music in high school. I had started – I was very shy to sing like I always sang to myself and I kind of sang a little bit with my family, but I was very staged. I had a lot of stage fright and I was very nervous, but I had started doing more singing in school, in choir and stuff in high school. But I had always drawn. But then when I heard that, I had realized I was like, you know what? I want to do this. I wanted, I want to write something that somebody would like hear it and feel the way that I feel right now listening to this. I just remember it kind of has this fingerprint on my brain now. Like every time I hear that song and that arrangement specifically with the strings in the beginning, it just really resonates with me. And I just Mm. go back to that moment where the first time I heard it. Well, thank you, Ray Charles. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Let's switch now. Uh, We only have a few minutes left. And one of the things we have to do on every episode is determine whether or not uh, we're going to be best friends for the week. Yes. Or bitter enemies. Just, Again, just for the week. Either way, I just need to get out of the house. Okay, great. <laughs> so either way, uh, as well, I'll need to know your schedule for the week. I know that you're playing this weekend at the Brass Tap in Waterford Lakes. Yes, I will be at the Brass Tap in Waterford Lakes this weekend. Uh, and so if we're best friends, you'll see me there as well supporting <gasps> you. And if we're bitter enemies, you'll see me there. Shaking your fists. Well, maybe even sabotaging you on some level more than that. Uh, so I'll need that. I'll need to know any allergies that you have. Again, either way. I'm allergic to money. Great. If we're best <laughs> friends, I'll get you money. If we're bitter enemies, no, I'll keep you away from money if we're best friends. 
because you're allergic to it. If we're best friends, you will help me overcome my allergies by giving me. I will. No. It's money and love I'm allergic to. I will help you avoid those two things. <laughs> so we're going to have a quiz. Uh, Simon Time of Simon Time Trivia is here to give you and administer the quiz. All right. Are you ready? I'm, I can only hope so. Four or five? Wait, I can't do numbers on my hand. <laughs> if you get four out of five answers right, we're best friends. <coughs> if you get uh, fewer than three answers right, we're bitter enemies. I'm very nervous. Yeah, me too. <laughs> hey, hey, guys, it is I, Simon of the House Time. Five questions for Nick of the House Jerk. Nick G. Questions for you and Mr. Brian Hayes. Let's begin. Question number one. How many keys are on most baby grand pianos? 88. Let's see if you're correct. Before all their baby teeth fall out and they get their adult teeth, baby grand pianos have 88 keys. No, there you go. Yeah, Bosendorfer ones have more. There's one, the Bo, the Bosendorfer, I, excuse me if I butcher that name as well, the Bosendorfer Lounge downtown mm-hmm. has a Bosendorfer piano. They have, oh, is it four extra keys on the bottom? Just in case? <laughs> yeah. It goes lower than the normal piano. Oh, those uh, Bosendorfers are always yeah. showing off. <laughs> to which... It's it's cool that it's there. I I got to play there once. I sub for somebody and got to play on the piano. It's amazing. Um, they're they're lower end though, so it's pretty much indistinguishable to people the difference in those notes. But I think there are a couple like symphonic pieces or something that are written with those notes in mind. <laughs> so it's useless, but it's Interesting. awesome. And I like how you said it's it's indistinguishable to people. As yeah, if there's a difference between musicians and humans. And dogs, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. (laughs) Number two. Identify by first and last name the popular singer who is affectionately referred to as the boss. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Bruce Springsteen. I was like, why do I not know his name? (laughs) The answer is not WWE women's wrestler Sasha Banks. The answer is Mr. Bruce Springsteen. There you go. Okay. You're at two. I can't believe I'm getting all this. One more right, and you're out of bitter enemy territory. All right. Number three. We're traveling back to 1967. Name the band who, in that year, released the hit song, Ruby Tuesday. Oh, the Rolling Stones. Yeah. <gasps> all right. Number three. I broke it. I'm so good. (laughs) Spawning a successful franchise of eateries. It is the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. Okay. We're not going to be better enemies. No. Do you have a favorite um, uh, gemstone? Is it rubies for you? Do you have a favorite gemstone and day of the week? Because maybe that's a new song. (laughs) Oh. uh... Like Emerald Wednesday? I do. What's funny, I didn't before, but my little nephew is named Jasper, which I believe is a gemstone. Yeah, it is. And it was that was his name chosen. So just for sake of love and because I know at some point people will probably listen to this, Jasper is my favorite gemstone. And right now, I like Thursday nights. It's my favorite time of the week because of my schedule right now. Sometimes I have Fridays off. Mm-hmm. So it's that like 
for oh, most people, weekend. it would be like Friday yeah. nights. Yeah. Like, yeah, the weekend's ahead of me. Right, and for me, it's Thursdays. All right, good to know. Jasper, Thursdays. Yeah. Number four. I'm looking for the famous U.S. Festival that hosted over 350,000 fans way back in 1969. 51 years ago. Oh, that'd be Woodstock, right? I think so. Let's see. <laughs> or Lollapalooza. <laughs> And What's we not just discussed two years after the Rolling Stones released Ruby Tuesday, 350,000 people attended Woodstock Music Festival. Yes. Very nice. We are best friends. Let's see if we're super best friends. Can you get champion. Can you get all five right? And finally, another first and last name at Woodstock. Who performed the national anthem via an electric guitar solo that lives in music iconic history? I mean, I definitely know this. We all know it's Jimi Hendrix, but I want to. It's Jimi Hendrix. I don't know where I was going with this. I yeah. was gonna. I was, was gonna there more to the just answer? list random names of people who weren't at Woodstock. And be like, oh, it was. It was definitely Leo Sayer. <laughs> no, it was Jimi Hendrix. The answer. It's Jimi Hendrix. There you go, Nick. Yeah. Brian, thank you so much, and we'll catch you guys next week here on To a Certain Degree. And you can catch Simon Time. Uh, I think he's still doing trivia seven nights a week around town. Nice. The hardest working man in random facts. So you can hear him uh, there. You can listen to his podcast. You can catch him. I would encourage you to follow him on Facebook uh, is the easiest way to do things, to see where he's going to be, to stay up to date on the podcast and other things. Simon Time Trivia, facebook.com slash Simon Time Trivia. Thank you, Simon. And thank you, Brian. That was very nice. We're best friends. That's I'm so... going to keep all money and love away from you. No, you got to help else? me. No. I have to build a tolerance. I <laughs> Empty feel like, those wallets no, and no, send those kisses. I, 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 can't, I can't take the safety of my best friend uh, uh, into my own hands. I've got to make sure that you're okay. I am not allergic to gold. So. Okay, great. Yeah. Very few people are. oh you're just listening now is facts yeah that's Uh, you're right (laughs) let's play a song uh one of yours brian this is dorm room society and then we'll come back and wrap it up and this is a single that you produced right this is my latest single it is a song i wrote in college is about college kids notice how i didn't say college students it's about college kids okay uh i was a college student i knew what i wanted to do in college and then I was at the mercy of college kids who would stay up all night. Uh, I'm such an old man. Uh, <laughs> I, so this song was written out of just frustrated, psycho laughing tears about just the shenanigans that would keep me up at night. Um, and uh, it be, I wrote it in college and it was a favorite of some of my friends. So I wanted to definitely record it. Nice. All right. We'll hear that right now on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. out your strife and if somehow your parents can pay you away you can sign up now and move in today it's a magical place full of scholars and whores future leaders and felons behind every door and we'll all live together somehow play nice through temptations of curiosity in this 
in the house smells like drugs And I'm pretty sure someone's burnt holes in the rugs There's cursing from someone who's trying to sleep But he's drowned out by drunk kids who aren't that discreet There's a guy getting lucky with a bottle of gin And in the next room his girlfriend is cheating on him And from all this chaos, well they laugh and they weep They'll get up for class from a three hour sleep in this dumb society You should know by now they scrimp and they save so wicked old play and make believe we don't deceive the truth. Don't fight it, what's the use? Just relax, it's only abuse. No need to blow your fuse, it's tomorrow, not today. So forget all your troubles and live out your schemes There's a chance that you might find the girl of your dreams But she won't know that you're the one Until after the others have all had their fun Yes, the boys are ecstatic and the girls are all sad And when everything's graded, the teachers are mad But we'll all try to fake it for dear mom and dad As they pay for more mediocrity in this society Stupid and meaningless Forget that mess Cause we're doing fine Although my family's broke And my self-esteem's a joke And soon I'll drown and choke But for now I'll keep floating by Now soon we'll all have to sit down and decide How to right all the wrongs that we've hidden with lies We'll run out of people and things we can blame And repenting our sins will sure cost us our fame But that is tomorrow and now is today And there's lots of new people whose trust will betray I'll put off my finals for just one more day While achieving delusional harmony One more stiff drink and another good lay Will end any future anxiety And I'll stay one more year till I find a way To take over the immature monarchy In this dark society Ryan Hayes on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, a single he put out recently, Dorm Room Society. Brian is here today with me. I am me. here. I'm Nick. 
I'm here every week from 7 to 9. Brian is here. I'm going to release you back out into the wild shortly. But before we go, Dorm Room Society is about your experience in college. And so I was yes. wondering, going back a step, so you, you we kind of covered this, but just to sum up, you kind of discovered music in high school. You decided that was potentially what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. What was the process coming out of high school and deciding where to go? And was it like, I'm going to go to college and it has to be music? Was it you went and you had this idea in your head that maybe you were going to do something else and just study music, but you didn't want to have, uh, you know, potentially the struggle of being a gigging musician. You wanted to get a business degree and then do music on the side. No, I, um, I, I got out of high school. I went straight into college. I was always going to go to college. Um, I, I like to buffer this by saying like, I, there are definitely, we all remember Goodwill hunting. Like there are definitely people you don't necessarily need to go to college not, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of musicians who didn't go to college and who achieved a lot. It was very necessary for me. I learned so much. Um, and I like if you like, I know not right. as of right now, perhaps uh, in the recent future after this airs, this might change. But uh, as of right now, I know college can be a very expensive endeavor for a lot of people. So that might be the thing. Uh, not allowing them to go, especially people in the performing arts or creative arts. Mm-hmm. I would like to say that I learned so much uh, when I was in school for, I was doing it for music. I was a double music major. Uh, for any of those that are a music major out there listening, your laughter is appropriate. Don't ever do that. It's the terrible thing to do. Uh, the busiest people on a college campus are always, first of all, the medical students, and then second of all, the music students. Their schedule is out of control. And like a psycho, I was like, well, I'll just do – I double majored in music. Um, yeah, what were the two I was pieces and parts? Classical voice. Yeah. So I was doing like opera and classical voice. And then the other one was jazz voice. So jazz studies, primary instrument being voice. So I was – I basically had – I did two of everything. Like I did theory and I did jazz theory. I had to do like chorus and opera, which I loved. But then I also, I was fortunate enough, I got to sing in the big band because I had to have a, the thing that was, the thing that was really interesting, sometimes frustrating was at UNF, I went to University of North Florida in Jacksonville. They hadn't had a vocalist that double majored in jazz and classical music before. So they agreed to it, I believe, so that I could be a lab rat. They were like, let's see if he can do this. And survive. And if he dies, we'll know when it happened and why so we can steer people later on. Um, But I didn't die. (laughs) Uh, I enjoyed my time there. It was very exhausting, but I enjoyed, I learned so much there. And because, again, because it hadn't been really done before, I got to do certain things that not necessarily a lot of other students had been able to do. I was very fortunate. I got to be a member of one of the jazz ensembles, JE2, uh, with Professor Marks, um, the big band, and I actually got to sing with them for like two semesters. And they normally don't have 
vocal students. At that time, I don't remember if they had, first of all, vocal students as a member of the ensemble. Mm -hmm. Usually if they had vocalists, it would be like for a guest spot on a concert or something like that. And then usually it wasn't students. It was it was. It was usually like somebody who was visiting the school and like singing, and it was always with like uh, the JE One Jazz Ensemble One, who they're amazing. And every time like Kurt Elling or somebody comes to UNF, they usually work with JE One. Yeah. Um, I jo- enjoyed my time with JE Two because they're, they're very skilled, just as uh, skilled performers and students, but they just don't necessarily. Uh, perform as often as the other one but because I was a student I got to work in there with them uh, I really enjoyed performing with them and then I also I enjoyed doing the opera and doing all the classical music with my professors there I had a great voice teacher Christoph Bernacki who was my classical voice teacher and then Michelle Amato who people in Orlando probably know she's a wonderful vocalist does a lot of jazz music I believe she's on WCF frequently and she performs in the area she was my jazz voice teacher so so let me ask yeah. you this because we are running out of time oh, sorry, yeah. so I, well you'll have to come back and we'll Rambling. talk a little bit more about it but what as many of those valuable experiences and connections that you made what would you advise or what would you have done differently if you were talking to somebody you know coming out of high school or getting ready to come out of high school now and knowing what you know now if you could talk to younger Brian Hayes, what would you tell him? Oh, just don't don't get so um, don't worry so much. Don't focus so much on little thing. It's so easy, especially if you're choosing something and music students and college students especially will know like if you're in a very specific um major like let's say like for music for me like everything i needed was in one building all of my classes all of my friends my whole life is in one little building so it's so easy to like get wrapped up in like the little things of mm-hmm. like oh that that guy he wronged me like he like just little petty things um don't let that get in the way of like really enjoying your time there learn as much as you can don't sweat the little stuff um stay yeah just really absorb absorb as much as you can um i remember talking to somebody in school and they said like the whole point of college is we're going to give you a lifetime's worth of like information in four years that you will spend the next 10 years after you graduate trying to like (laughs) incorporate finally figuring out what they were talking about so yeah if you go first of all i would suggest anybody who can definitely go to college i know it's not for everybody but there are things you can learn even if it's not just for what you're studying it's the fact of being there and being with other people and learning how to live with people from different cultures if you can't go Get out and go out and immerse yourself in other cultures. Go to places that you haven't been before. It's, oh, boy, I'm talking more to myself than anybody else. I'm such a scared home person. Anytime it's new, I'm like, it's scary. But uh, it's so important, especially for young people that age, to go out there. And you have to stretch your brain as far as it can go so that way when it finally solidifies – it's broader than it would have been. All right. Well, let's leave it at that. Yeah. 
Brian, thank you so much. Thank you. Let's please. shake hands on the air. Yes. That's good. That makes for good radio. Brian mm-hmm. Hayes Live. I would encourage you to go there. B r y a n h a y e s l i. I'm I'm trying to do it right now. And Sorry, you're interrupting me. I'm such a. It's fine. Brian Hayes Live. Monster. Ugh. I'm going to release him <laughs> back into the wild. Uh, and so uh, yeah, if you missed any of the show, please subscribe to a certain degree, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Have a great week. Have all of the things. I'll have them. Okay. And that's the show. Thanks for listening to A Certain Degree. Where do you go from here? Tell your friends about how awesome this episode was. Subscribe to the show wherever you subscribe. Also check out toacertaindegree.com. That's T-O-A, certaindegree.com. Just a reminder that this episode and every episode is recorded live on WPRK 91.5. You can listen every Monday at 7 a.m. on your radio or streaming on the internet. That's when shows are at peak freshness. Thanks for listening. I'll truly miss our little talks.